The Bible tells us that at the crucifixion of Christ, a darkness descended over the land. That's because the light of the world was being extinguished. Join us today as Pastor Ander describes how life without Jesus Christ is a life filled with darkness in this message, Christ is life and light. He'll be speaking from a number of scriptures, so get pen and paper ready as we begin. I saw what you did yesterday. I saw what you did in secret. I saw the drugs. I saw that person you were sleeping with that you wasn't married to. I saw stuff I shouldn't have seen, but you got to realize I'm an all-seeing God. And then I see how you come and sing in the choir and stand as an usher uh, in the media ministry or in the ensemble or as a teacher or preacher or deacon or elder, whatever you are. And folk don't know it. And you're the biggest hypocrite in the church. You know, some people say they don't come to church because of all the hypocrites. Now, I got something to say about that. (laughs) I wish they'd tell me that. I said, if there's a hypocrite, this is where they ought to be. Not in the club. Huh? Not in some kind of sports bar. I'd rather have being a hypocrite here with the aim of getting them converted, transformed, and made new in Christ. To fall. How are they going to fall in conviction at some strip club? At a bowling alley? You know, they're down there at the sports centers. Playing sports and basketball and all volleyball and all this kind of stuff. You know, if they're not right, this is the place where not right folk come to get right. Did you hear what I said? You just stop looking around trying to see who's a hypocrite. You just make sure you get your own life right. There's enough issues in your own life that you need to address. You don't have time to be looking at everybody else's life. All them fingers and stuff pointing them. They come, got them, those others coming back at you. You know, listen, I, when I get through dealing with Randall Draper, I'm tired. I don't have time to be eyeing you, putting you under surveillance, tracking you. I need to be tracking me, policing me. It's me, oh Lord, who's standing in the need of prayer because I don't want my worship. I don't want whatever I do for Christ to be in vain. He says, and in vain they worship me. Y'all get that? In vain. In vain. Say in vain. In vain they worship me. Be mindful. It is impossible to be a hypocrite and shine for Christ at the same time. The light of Christ shines brightly through believers who are genuine, who are authentic, who are real. In other words, what you see should be what you get. What I see now ought to be what I get on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, in your home, on your job, wherever you are. You're the real deal because you are real. Number five. What keeps the light of Christ from shining brightly through you is pride. Ooh, that's a big one now. Proverbs 16, 18 says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. Pride is to have too high of a view of yourself. Think too high of yourself and to think you are better than others. That's nasty, ugly pride. Satan fell out of heaven because of pride. That's how bad it is. You know what pride is? 
is to treat others as inferior or beneath you and even look, you even look down on them because they're not where you are. They're less than you above. They're beneath you. That's why some of you can't do certain ministries because certain ministries are beneath you. You see, so we got to watch that pride. You want the upfront ministry. Romans 12, 3a says, for I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Let me tell you something. Let me, let me deflate you right now. And me too. And everybody else in here. So I'm talking about me and everybody. Say me. Me. You ain't all that. Excuse the English. It's bad, but you get the point. You ain't all that. Humble yourself. If you don't humble yourself, God will humiliate you. A prideful person will not value the remarks of others. They will also arrogantly think that they know it all and that they're always right. And listen to this. What makes pride so deadly is that you can be full of it and not even know it. That's what makes it. You can be full of it and not even know it. It's killing you. It's choking the spiritual life out of you. It will also keep you from yielding and surrendering your life to Christ. Beloved, the height of pride is for Satan to deceive you into thinking that you are self-sufficient apart from Christ, which will bring about your own spiritual demise and you're headed straight to hell. That's what Satan wants you to do with your pride. Nothing wrong with me. I don't have to go down to that church. It don't take all that. I'm all right just like I am. I'm my own God. And you go straight to the pits of hell. You see, I say it again for some of you who really need to hear it. The height of pride is for Satan to deceive you into thinking that you are self-sufficient apart from Christ, which will bring about your own spiritual demise. Number six, the love of money diminishes the light of Christ within us. The love of money. It'll cause the light of Christ not to shine brightly through you. First Timothy 6.10 says, for the love of money, uh, it says the love, not money now. It says what? Love, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Beloved, money in and of itself is not evil. There's nothing wrong with having money. Okay, money in and of itself is not evil, but the love of money is idolatry, is idolatry. The love of money keeps you from pursuing God and his will first. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. People will gamble to get more money, steal to get more money, steal from their own mama to get more money. Do drugs to get more money, whatever. It it causes saints to stray from the faith and become greedy to the point that they cannot have enough of it and they will do anything to get it because they love it. When you love money, you will do anything to get it, including robbing God. You see, it causes saints to stray from the faith and become greedy to the point that they cannot have enough of it and will do anything to get it, which results in unnecessary woes and sorrows. Many saints, many saints are unable to give tithes 
because of yielding to the lure and enticement of commercialism to the point where they have nothing left to offer God in his house. They come into the house of God empty-handed, causing them to lose their spiritual blessings. Exodus 34, 20, B says, and none shall appear before me empty-handed. And none shall appear before me empty-handed. If you love money, the results will be. This is why you shouldn't love it. Some of you can't have a, you're stockpiling. Now, you ought to save. All right? But don't be afraid to spend wisely under the guidance of the Holy Ghost. Amen? Some of you won't spend a dime. You're going to die and your kids are going to mess it all up. Or the government's going to get it. You better spend some of it. You better take a cruise. You better go somewhere. Do something. All right. There's nothing wrong with spending and enjoying. But the other side is to be addicted to spending to the point that you can't save anything. You're habitually, perpetually, eternally broke. You're not satisfied until your credit cards ran up. Interest rates all over the place. You live from paycheck to paycheck. You sweating it. Oh, look at the amen. Where did they go? Where did they go? It's bad when you get old and broke. Don't have nothing. Don't even have nothing to lay up for your children nor your grandchildren. If you love money, the results will be the loss of family, the loss of reputation, the loss of your character, even the loss of your freedom. You're in spiritual bondage. Some people are in prison. They are locked up because they have stolen a connive because of the love of money and have become enslaved by it. Beloved, we give to a gracious God because everything in our possessions belongs to God and come from God. That's why you give to God, because everything you have belongs to whom and comes from and you're giving an acknowledgement that he owns it all, and you're so grateful to you going to give him the first part. First Corinthians 4, 7, 8 says, this is one of my favorite verses on giving. I love this verse. Please write it down. First Corinthians 4, 7. It says, and what do you have that you did not receive? What did you have that you, what do you have that God didn't give you? Huh? Everything you have, God gave you. The water, the grass, the dog, the glasses, everything, the children, the grandchildren, the oxygen, the gravity. When last time you dropped something and picked it up and said, Lord, thank you for gravity. Everything belongs to God. And what do you have that you did not receive? And yet God owns it all and you hoard it and say, it's mine. And you don't release that which belongs to him to your own spiritual detriment. Number seven, what keeps the light of Christ from shining brightly? Not only the love of money, but a spirit of anger will keep your light from shining brightly. Let your light so shine, but it cannot shine in a spirit of anger. Ephesians 4.26 says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. If anger is left unchecked, it can become excessive and uncontrolled. And some of you have been angry too long. And some of you are always angry. You go off at a moment, you go off on your wife, you go off on your children, you're snappy, you talk mean, 
You give a compliment and it's a backhanded compliment. I mean, you're ugly with your talk. You see, it can become excessive and uncontrolled. And and un, if you don't deal with your anger, it leads to bitterness. Anger leads to resentment. Anger leads to hostility, domestic abuse. You will abuse your children, your wife, your husband. You abuse your parents when you're angry. If you don't deal with your anger, there will be an urge to get even. There will be inner turmoil, which results in a loss of tranquility and peace of heart. Therefore, do not take everything as a personal issue against you. He must be talking about me. Somebody who told him. God knows your business. God knows your business. I just preach the word. Wherever the word goes, praise God. Therefore, do not take everything as a personal issue against you. My friend, the longer you allow anger to fester in your life, you become a prime target to be exploited by Satan. And there's nothing like an angry daddy where the children and the wife is scared of him. His wrath falls on everybody. Boom! Every day it's another explosion about something. Where's the food, woman? Well, why didn't you get in there and cook? Then there's some women who are angry. They out talk to men and they say a thousand words before the man can say, I was sick today. <laughs> huh? Just, I mean, she go off and she go off and she go off. And she's out of control because she's a mad woman. That's a movie about, wasn't that a movie about a diary of a mad, some kind of woman or something? <laughs> Somebody, y'all watch TV. <laughs> Listen, confess the sin of anger regularly and allow the Holy Spirit to control your thoughts, the Holy Spirit to control your words, your motive, your attitude and your actions. God is glorified through possessing the peace of Christ and contentment in him. The light of Christ cannot be seen when one has a spirit of anger. When you're always mad, nothing worse than an angry preacher who used a pulpit to bully his people. To come down hard on his people. I mean, he has a wrath. He calls people out. He embarrassed a man before his family and all of those things. People are hurting enough. And the worst thing they can hear is a preacher who's insensitive, who's hard and callous and don't even care. An angry preacher has no business in the pulpit. The light of Christ cannot be seen when one has a spirit of anger. Embrace Christ, who is the Prince of Peace, and he alone will bring spiritual rest and peace of mind. And some of you are under my voice. You've been angry too long, and you need to surrender that anger to Jesus. You need to tell God, I've been angry. Some of you, the older you get, the more angry you are. You get angry because of a lack of progress. Some of you get angry because you don't see any progress. Some of you get angry... Because you brought the wrong car. Well, you should have listened to God. Now it's breaking. You spent too much money on this. Let me tell you something. When you make a mistake, own up to it and learn from that lesson. Now, mistakes aren't bad as long as you learn from them. Now, when you make that mistake again and again and again, then that makes a fool out of you. Embrace Christ, who is the Prince of Peace, and he alone will bring spiritual rest and peace of mind. Number eight, we're almost done. 
You know what else will cloud the light of Christ? Spiritual regression will cause the light of Christ not to shine brightly through you. Hosea 11.7 says, my people are bent on backsliding from me. Though they call to the most high, none at all exalt me. A life that is backslidden and is in spiritual regression can drift so far away from the Lord, relapsing into the muck and mire of sin until the light of Christ cannot be seen in that person's life. Therefore, you need to repent and allow God to purify your life in order to shine brightly for Christ. You cannot shine for Christ in a backslidden condition. You say, well, how do, how do you know, Pastor, how do you know when you're backslidden? It's because when you say everything you do for Christ is in the past tense. I used to sing in a choir. I used to go to the church. I used to be a greeter. I used to be a usher. I used to be in the tutorial ministry. I used to be in the parking lot ministry. Used to, used to, used to, used to, used to equals backslidden spiritual regression. And God says, that's back then. I want to know what are you doing for me now? Now, Uh, number nine. Another thing is fear. Fear keeps us from shining brightly. Psalms 34, 4 says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Joshua 1, 9 says, have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. My friends, let me give you God's prescription for those who are struggling with fear. If you put your eyes on this stuff around you, you will get afraid. When you look at terrorism, when you look, when you look at road rage, stop honking at these people. You don't know who you're honking at. Don't blow your horn. Be very slow. If at all to blow, let that fool go. Okay? You don't know who you blowing at. You blow one time and they blow you away. They don't care. Listen, this is a dangerous world. Your, you scared, your children go to school, you're scared that they may not come back home. If they go to a party, somebody gonna touch them inappropriately. Uh, are you scared your husband gonna commit adultery? Are you scared of this? Are you scared of that? You, I'm not gonna fly, the plane's gonna fall. Well, it's just as dangerous or more even to drive. Let me give you God's prescription for those who are struggling with fear. Let me give you, this is three, and you need them and activate them. Please, in the name of Jesus. A, as we continue to seek the Lord and hear from him, we will not be afraid. As we continue to seek the Lord and hear from him, we will not be afraid. Psalms 34, 4 says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. B, Our courage will increase when we are strong in the Lord. Our courage will increase when we're strong in the Lord. The stronger you are spiritually, the less afraid you will be. The weaker you are spiritually, the more afraid you will be. Ephesians 6.10 says, finally, my brother, and be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. Our spiritual strength does not come from our intellect. Our spiritual strength does not come from physical abilities, popularity, influence, or status. It is the word of God, the spirit of God, and prayer that strengthens us and gives us courage when so many are living in fear. So ask God to increase 
your time with him and you spend more time with him. Okay. Be strong in the Lord and see, we will not fear when we have the assurance of God's presence with us. We will not fear when we have the assurance of God's presence with us. Joshua 1, 9, B. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, the B section of that verse. It says, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's personalize it. Let's say it together. For the Lord my God is with me wherever I go. Again, let's say it. For the Lord my God is with me wherever Say it again. For the Lord, my God, is with me wherever. Now, you can't live like the devil and expect the Lord to be with you. Not reading your Bible, not praying, being foolish, slipping and sliding all over the place. Listen to this. The moment that you forget the assurance of God's presence with you is the moment you begin to fear and faint and be afraid. And all of us are subject to that. We're all human. We're all subject to that. Number 10, finally, but not the least. We cannot shine brightly for Christ if we are not giving the Lord our best. We cannot shine brightly for Christ if we're not giving the Lord our what? Our best. Ecclesiastes 9, chapter 9, verse 10, a says, whatever your hands finds to do, do it with all your might. Listen closely. I want you to hear me closely as I speak from God. What keeps believers from serving God to the maximum of their potential is the spirit of mediocrity. What keeps believers from serving God to the maximum of their potential is a spirit of mediocrity. There are saints who will not steal. There are saints under my voice who will not backbite. There are saints who will not slander. They don't hate anybody. They will not lose control of themselves. However, if Satan can use mediocrity to keep you from giving your best effort for Christ, then he has defeated you in a subtle way. Well, he says, I know you don't gossip. I know you don't slander. I know you don't gamble. I know you don't steal. I know you're not a drunkard. I'll just keep you apathetic and mediocre and from giving God your best. And then Satan has subtly duped you and you don't even have a clue. My friend, passivity, apathy, and mediocrity. Say it with me. Passivity, apathy, and mediocrity. Say it again. Passivity, apathy, and mediocrity. Say it again a little bit louder. Passivity, apathy. Thank you. Will smother the light of Christ in you. It will smother the light of Christ with you. Signs of mediocrity. You say, well, how do I know if I'm mediocre? Let me give you some examples. High absenteeism. An inability to be on time. And then follow through. A lack of preparation, loss of, of enthusiasm and passion. You know you are mediocre when you're doing just enough to get by, just enough to keep your name on the membership roll. You know you're apathetic when you make commitments you don't keep and not serving the Lord with a grateful spirit.
I mean, grateful that you have an opportunity to serve the Lord. When you have a grateful heart, the Lord regulates your thinking and you will hear him more clearly. You really want to hear God? You really want to hear God like you've never heard him before? Then ask God to give you an attitude of gratitude. And when you are thankful from the depths of your heart, you will hear God in a way you never heard him before. And you'll hear him more clearly. The scripture says in Ecclesiastes 9, 10, 8, whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. In conclusion, my friend, it's time for those who are in the dark to come out of the dark now. You know what darkness represents? In case you forgot, darkness represents wickedness. It represents willful ignorance. Darkness represents ungodliness. Darkness represents immorality. Darkness represents spiritual blindness. Come out of the darkness. And the only way you can get out of spiritual darkness is to come to Jesus Christ alone. He, my friends, he, he, Jesus Christ alone is the only one who can bring light into a life that is enveloped in spiritual darkness. I say it again. He is the only one. Christ is the only one who can bring light into a life enveloped in spiritual darkness. Christ is the personification of light. I say it again. Christ is the personification of light. He is perfect in knowledge, perfect in holiness, perfect in truth. When you receive Christ into your heart and study his word, the Lord will bring into your life spiritual illumination and spiritual enlightenment to the glory of God. And all God's children said, amen. Praise God. Let's pray. And Father, we thank you for this message. We thank you, Father, for what we received. Father, we realize we're in a dark, dismal world. We see evil all around us. As a matter of fact, Lord, we, we know that this world is enveloped in darkness. And the only way out is through Jesus who is the light of the world. You need to be the lamp, the light. You need to illuminate our lives, enlighten our minds, transform us so that when people look at us, they don't see Rander. They see the finest of representative of Jesus Christ. We pray this in your name we pray. Amen. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and much more. You can also reach us at 210-821-5683. Maranatha Bible Church is located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, 78109, directly across from Randolph Air Force Base.